Today's date is September 15th, 2023, and this is episode 39 with Katura Martin. Hi, punks. Going to school, huh? Yeah. Why don't you play fish hooky and come fishing with us? Yeah, boy. They're sure biting. Get thee behind me, Satan, and don't push. Get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get away me, Satan. Jesus said, you don't tempt the Lord thy God. Get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get away from me, Satan. Jesus said, you don't tempt the Lord thy God. Now Jesus went to the desert, 40 nights and 40 days. When he got tired and hungry, to his father he would pray. But the devil came to Jesus, said, if you want to be fed, why don't you turn these big old worthless stones to bread? Get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get away me, Satan. Jesus said, you don't tempt the Lord thy God. Get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get away from me, Satan. Jesus said, you don't tempt the Lord thy God. Then the devil, he took Jesus to the temple up on top. And he said, if you are the son of God, the father is a golden drop. But the scripture says that angels will slow you falling down. And they'll gently put your feet back on the ground. Get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get away from me, Satan. Jesus said, you don't tempt the Lord thy God. Get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get away from me, Satan. Jesus said, you don't tempt the Lord thy God. Then the devil gave to Jesus to a mountaintop to shove all the cities and the nations and the kingdoms here below. And the devil gave to Jesus, you can have all that you see. If you will just bow down and worship me. Get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get away from me, Satan. Jesus said, you don't tempt the Lord thy God. Get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get away from me, Satan. Jesus said, he said, don't tempt the Lord thy God. Hello and welcome, everyone. This is an official Godcast. Thank God it's Friday. My name is Ron Johnston. I'm here with the one and only Flightworks Mary. Tonight, giving her testimony, our special guest, Katura Martin. Hello, Mary. What's going on? Hey, how are you? Glad to be back in the captain's seat. Pilot to co-pilot, oh, yeah. pilot to co-pilot. <laughs> right. Uh, Always happy fun Friday. on Friday. Yeah, same end of that. Yeah, it's been really busy. Ready for the weekend? 
Uh, yeah, I don't know much of a weekend it will be for me. Y'all packed up? Ready to go? Oh, oh no, 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 no. Well, you're you're that that traveling won't to Kentucky next week, right? That won't happen till Sunday. Okay, last minute packer, huh? Well, I mean, I have to work tomorrow, and I have some other events to go to and different things. So, hey, lots every- of activity this week for me. So, you got your bar tickets, all right? I did. All right. For everybody else that's listening, if you haven't gotten your Bards tickets yet, bardsfm.com for your Bards tickets. And then head down to uh, Kentucky or over or up to Kentucky from wherever you're going and say hi to Livin' and Duncan for me. Give Moon Wolf a hug. <laughs> There's going to be lots of hugging going on. Taste I'm telling one of you. Conley's steaks for me. Oh, yeah. Hey, uh, tonight Conley's going on at eight o'clock and the kilted one, that crazy man with the kilt, he's going on at 1030 tonight with Livin and Conley. And I think Scott's traveling, so we might not hear him tonight. Probably not. And, uh, that's okay. Everybody needs a break. And, uh, what else is going on next week, next week. And next week we have truth Patriots coming next week. Can you believe it? I know. Very excited. Very excited. This will be a pre-recorded uh, testimony that we we did with him a few weeks back, and he was originally scheduled for November third, but we had a cancellation, so we were able to bump him up. So uh, while we're at Bard's Fest, some of us, he'll be sharing his testimony. So tune in. Yeah, there'll be a lot of uh, podcasts not happening next week because of traveling and all those other fun things. So great opportunity to go into the Godcast archives and start listening to them old testimonies. We are going to have Mila. Mila B is going to be here in a couple of weeks. Yes, uh, I'm super excited. She's listening tonight. Her. Mila, hello. We love you. Good to see you all the way from Chile. Hey, Mila. And uh, we're excited to get into tonight's testimony. So let's welcome our guest, Katura Martin. Hello, how are you? Should I unmute her? Let's yeah, do that. that'd be good. Yes. <laughs> well, she's here. Mila, if you're there, go ahead and give yourself a, or Katura, if you're there, please give yourself an unmute. Can you hear me now? Oh, yeah. Can yes. hear you. Oh, okay. <laughs> Katura, you're in Canada. Yeah, I'm happy, happy to be here. <laughs> so the, the, you're our first out-of-the-country guest. So welcome. So glad oh. you're here. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm in Canada, Ontario. Very nice. Uh, a couple of weeks. So yes. Mila, she is from Chile. So that, that'll be our second. But yeah all the way from canada so mm-hmm. awesome so glad you're here thank you for reaching out to us uh and you found us looking for um who was this again uh who are you looking for nemos. dustin nemos thank you Mary. dustin nemos yeah yeah you're looking for dustin nemos and, and found his testimony and found us yeah correct awesome <laughs> and that's the way god works he works that way yeah. you never, you never know what he's gonna do next <laughs> It's beautiful. Well, I'm going to get into an opening prayer and then we'll get into this testimony. We're going to have some fun tonight. You guys ready? Ready. You ready, Mary? Ready, Freddie. Ready, Freddie. All right. 
every head bowed, every eye closed. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for allowing us once again here on a Friday night at the Godcast to gather and worship and praise in your name, here to glorify you and only you, Father. Thank you for this. Thank you for this platform. Thank you for this ministry. Lord, we ask that you give us all the words that will do nothing but glorify you and bring others closer to you. Uh, ask that you help us, Lord, just to bear the type of fruit that will make others see the need for your son, Jesus Christ, as our Savior. We ask that you are holding Katura tonight in your arms as she goes through her testimony story about what you've done in her life, Lord. Uh, please give her the courage and the strength. She's already here, so let's do it. And all these we ask in your name, in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Ron. Katura, I'm so glad you made it. You've got an incredible story that needs to get out. And uh, just for the listeners, just so you know, that the one that we don't speak about has done everything possible to not let this happen this week. Yes. I don't know what you've run into mm -hmm. this week, Mary, but I have had one incredible week, <laughs> including today. Yeah. Yes. And I know Katura has as well. We've all been through the ringer this week. Which, I didn't realize you were too. Uh, I, yeah, I've, I, huh. especially today. I mean, I've, I've, I've had a week. I've had a week, but I've had a day. And uh, mm -hmm. I kept saying, you know, there's nothing. You're, uh, there's nothing going to stop this. God's winning. No, God wins. That's right. And um, that's right. And I'm um, glad we're here. We made it. I am so glad. And nothing's so going to stop tonight. But I, I knew when the resistance was coming about tonight, I knew that there was a special message that needs to be heard by somebody out there. This testimony mm -hmm. is for somebody special. This testimony here is for, is for God. For his glory. Yes. Thank you. So without further ado, we'll hand the floor over to you, Katura. Yeah, and if you've got questions along the way or anything, let me know. Yeah. Also, if anybody has any prayer requests, you can go ahead and tag tag me, Flightworks Mary, or you can also tag our new moderator, Matt, and have. Thank you. Okay, Katara, go ahead. Okay. Um so everything I'm sharing here is only about 5% of what could be shared. And I felt God wanted me to share some of the bad so that everyone that hears this can have the assurance that there's nothing too hard for Jesus to do. Because if he could rescue me from the gutter and the filth and everything I went through, then I'm sure he can do that for anyone. So I was born into a family of nine children and raised on a 1500 acre dairy farm at the foot of the canadian rockies in british columbia and i had wonderful christian parents at two years old i nearly died twice and was on 24-hour nursing care after developing whooping cough uh, mom said i turned as black as a stovepipe for lack of oxygen and then I, as a result i also got double pneumonia then at age four i fell off a tractor head first 
and six weeks later developed epileptic seizures. So these seizures got progressively worse and they remained uncontrolled for 16 years, becoming a literally a chasm of death by the time I was 11 years old at puberty. And by the time I was eight years old, I had been raped by three different community men repeatedly in violence. And this began a, the decades of death threats and I just felt shackled in chains of terror until Jesus broke them about 30 years later when he actually made it possible for me to get help. But due to the death threats and the massive dissociation and the seizures and the amnesia, all the stuff put together, I had no access to the rape details. Although I knew something was terribly wrong and, and the filthy demons of terror that the perpetrator from the perpetrator, they pursued me like night and day. Like the unspeakable terror and oppression was just beyond what words can express. And I didn't even understand what was going on because all the details had been blocked from my mind. So I was living with all that and the seizures. And then at age 11, my family and I survived a train crash in the dead of winter. We were on the way to church and my dad couldn't stop at the crossing due to the ice and snow and the train didn't whistle so he didn't know it was coming so in a split second he had to choose to get across or else he would have stopped right on the track and we'd all been killed so we all survived that and that was amazing the hand of god and despite the dis distressing things going on around me by the time i was 11 i i knew i wanted to be god's child and be cleansed from all the filth and sin and shame and everything I experienced 24-7. And so I asked him into my heart, just longing to be free of fear and filth. At the same time, my epilepsy took a drastic turn for the worse. I guess at puberty age, something changed and everything just got worse and my seizures, um, uh, they got a lot more severe. I've collapsed unconscious and stuff like that. And every at age at puberty age, my each seizure produced a 24-hour depression to suicide proportions. Like it felt like a literal avalanche just burying me alive. But neither I nor my parents knew it was depression. And I'm positive that God knew I wanted nothing to do with suicide, even though it, it engulfed me mercilessly nonstop. And he in his graciousness, he preserved my life despite all these obstacles and demons of death that would seem to be unleashed against me. So the neurologists of BC and Alberta tried every anticonvulsant they knew, but they didn't have true success, like nothing controlled my seizures. And while I took the medicine, I suffered three to 15 seizures per day as the unknown oh, wow. depression just got darker and more deadly. Without this, without medicine, I would have three to five grand moles a day, and that's enough to make a person go literally insane. It makes their brain go brain dead. <laughs> so yeah. God did preserve the brain in that way. But we didn't understand that this depression was so connected to the seizures, but yeah, I'd have three to 15 a day. Wow. Um, with each seizure, I would have a five-second warning 
like an, uh, an aura, and then I'd fall unconscious wherever I was. My brothers would sometimes pull me out of the gutter, out of the manure, like where the cows were, and hose me off in the milk house and send me to the house. And I, I wouldn't know what was going on until I was halfway to the house and was all wet. <laughs> <laughs> so anyhow, um, at 12 years old, my parents were forced to change churches because the previous one located, uh, relocated. And they opted to put us children into a so-called Christian school. It was run by the conservative Mennonite church in BC. In, re in retrospect, this move opened the door wide open for massive destruction as the spiritual, emotional, physical, and verbal abuses from preachers and teachers and parents and children just exploded. And the church authorities just aided and abetted everyone else and they instructed parents to isolate me from all their children. And I, I always noticed if I approached a group of girls like after church or at school or anywhere, Within 10 seconds, they were all gone because their parents had told them to not having to do with me. Oh, man. My seizures and the subsequent depression was the number one target for daily mockery, 100% rejection, and abuse by children and teachers as I'd collapse unconscious and sometimes with incontinence. In addition to mockery and 100% rejection, some of the children would bite my unconscious form, I was told later. It wasn't long before I was viewed and treated like a leprous outcast by church, school, and home because nobody really knew what was going on inside my body, and they didn't really seem to care. The church leaders refused to allow the diagnosing doctor to explain epilepsy to them because mom told me that he had offered to explain it, but they refused. So in the height of this brutal re rejection, abuse, and loneliness. I felt loved and accepted only by my dad's calves. He had 50 calves that I looked after. <laughs> and they were the only living creatures that seemed to love or care about me and accepted me without condition. I would often curl up in the calf pens with the calves and just they'd soak up buckets of tears and anguish. And years later, doctors, counselors, and policemen told me that next to God, they gave the calves credit for my survival. <laughs> By the time I was 14 years old, the lead pastor at the Mennonite Church was aggressively forcing me to stand up in front of the entire church repeatedly to confess to everyone how evil I was for experiencing seizures and the consequent life-threatening depression. So he made a spectacle of me before everyone and just... The spiritual abuse and rejection was just indescribable. What's the basis for the sicker for the rejection? Evil? Pardon? I, I don't understand the underlying. What's that? I mean, what, what's the basis for for thinking that the evil? I... Depression? No, no, your seizures. You mean? Why would they say that your seizures well, are evil? I... Well, I think I think the depression part was more evil. Like to the Mennonite people depress many of them depression is sin we didn't even know it was depression but so they just take label it as sin okay and the seizures i think in a way they kind of thought i was just looking for attention but literally i would go unconscious there's nothing i could do but you know god said that his people are destroyed for lack of knowledge and 
I think yeah. lack of knowledge is definitely an issue many times. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, the thicker the rejection was piled on me, the more hopeless and self-hating I became. Yet, deep down, I still desired to uh, serve and follow Jesus. Despite hanging from the precipice of life, I, I knew that if I had any hope or help, it would be through Jesus, because he's the one that invested his life into my redemption, and humans to date had just proven totally unreliable and uncaring. And in my heart of hearts, I just knew God had to be more safe. But, you know, the spiritual abuse just really knocked that belief around, too, because this I, there, this lie got ingrained in my mind that lasted for years, that if God's people couldn't love me, then surely God couldn't care less either. But as the seizure bred depression magnified with every epileptic seizure, there were many suicide attempts, though I wanted nothing to do with killing myself, but only longed for love, acceptance, and healing. So my teen years were just a black haze of horror. And like there's so many gaps there, I lost, I had so much time lost in my teen years that I hardly remember much about it. It's just a big black hole of horror hopelessness and worthlessness. So in desperation for prayer and hope and help, I begged the pastors one too many times for prayer and spiritual support at age 16. He met me on the church step and told me I was supposed to leave and never come back for anything from the church and its leaders, claiming that I was just looking for attention. Oh, that's awful. This I know this deliberate rejection and spiritual abuse was like a death blow from the pit of hell. And I know now that amid the agonizing shatters, my Jesus was present, ensuring my survival amid the devastation. To put my condensed story this far to the current into perspective, um, and just to help everyone understand better, I, I want to honestly tell you all that I was diagnosed by a trauma specialist in 1996 as having multiple personality disorder, now known as DID, since I was three years old. So DID is a God-designed survival mechanism that he allows and oversees in times of life and death, trauma, or abuse. And... In the midst of this is when our creator allows the memory, identity, and consciousness to split into separate compartments to avoid death or become as a vegetable under an unbearable traumatic impact. And I always explained when my counselors wanted to understand better how it works, I, I would explain it like DID is like a piece of wood on a chopping block. The more the axe hits this block of wood sooner or later it splits a block of wood though split in 10 pieces can still be stuck together to represent the whole and that's kind of how did is you have this whole block and trauma just batters a person and if god allows the mind to shatter in that way every piece is still a part of the original person it's just that they all hold different things that the core person can't really access without help 
That's a really good way to uh, analogy. That's a really good analogy of how to explain that. That yeah, I painted it's all pictures, still a part of it. Yep. Yeah, um, I've I've done a lot of art and drawings about DID and all this stuff. So I I don't have a lot of time to go into the agonizing realities of DID, but down the road I'm willing that we could look at it together sometime just so our list can like if the opportunity comes up so everybody can know the abundance of hope and healing for DID and trauma survivors especially yes. if Jesus is in charge of the healing yes and I can connect. I, if there's anybody listening that would ever want to connect I'm willing to do that just if as long as we can like my God has revealed to me so many times that the reason I'm alive is because he wants me to uh, speak hope to the broken and be a vessel for him to help the broken. So that's why I offer that. Yes. Within a week of the, yeah, <laughs> within the week of the massive church rejection and abuse, my brother's father-in-law heard about my devastation and just the hopeless, shattered state I was in. And he sent his daughter to fetch me. And right at that time, mom and dad were five hours south on medical appointments, so they couldn't stop it. So long story short, this demon-driven man had a degree in psychology, and he knew how to mess with the mind. He was also the same man who, with his son, had raped me in violence and death threats at eight years old in my dad's hayloft. And, you know, the community people in that area said he was demon possessed and just the police said just to look at his eyes you could you could see the demons dancing there and they were half scared of him but yeah he had released all his filthy demons on me at eight years and anyhow he got his daughter to bring me over there and he he really made big efforts with him him and his wife to they made all these glowing promises of caring about me and they would step in where the church failed and so that went on for a visit or two and then all of a sudden he made a 180 degree turnaround and he just it was like he hastened to absolutely destroy trust and and me literally so his first mission was to instill this abject terror in me to ever say no to him because he tried to get me to do something that i refused to do and that was his cue to teach me to never say no. So in a livid rage, he took me up into an open, dirty loft in the house where he forced me to this dusty floor and he tied me down by rope to metal chains at metal rings on the floor uh, at my hands and feet. And then my chest and head were hanging over the floor's edge, dangling in midair, looking down on the first floor. So he went down there with his gun and put the gun to my face and said, don't you ever dare say no to me again or I'll blow your brains out like this. And then he shot a bullet into a jar that exploded into millions of pieces. So that was his initiation in teaching me to never say no. And then to completely destroy all self-worth, hope, and value before the unknown pending satanic ritual abuse, he forced me once at gunpoint to lay down on a brown couch while his son, daughter, and wife were ordered to hold me down. And then he brought in one of his large trained male dogs and 
it was trained to savagely just rape a person and the bestial filth and shame just created like a thousand percent increase in feelings of hopelessness and worthlessness. And I tried to sit up and flee, but he, he brought his gun barrel down on my forehead so hard that I almost got knocked out. But God in his mercy knew what I could survive in this scene and he allowed my mind to dissociate in memory, identity, and consciousness as it split to more than 60 additional individuals through that abuse alone. After these trust-shattering and brainwashing incidents, including, there's several others, I'm not even going to mention them all, but this perpetrator started after a whole onslaught of abuses. He started the onslaught of satanic ritual abuse mingled with torture and rape and overdoses, hypnotic programming and the deadly satanic indoctrination. Everything that this satanic agent did against me was done at gunpoint. But yet I, I still know it was Jesus who actually carried me through and preserved my faith in him as the SRA abuse is magnified. And, and the way he did that, the way God actually preserved my, my faith in him, it was so amazing. I, I, I just, I'm so grateful to God because he allowed my mind to split in uh, this certain individual, like a split of mine. His name is Pastor Kervin. But this particular split, God put on this individual to hold all my beliefs and my my faith in God and everything about my Christian beliefs was all tied up in this one individual during these times of torture. And because of that, my faith was preserved. And I am so thankful to God because he chose to let my mind split and for that split to carry that one. I was completely obliterated from being in the driver's seat or knowing what's going on. God preserved my faith and I'm so thankful. Um, that that's a miracle. <laughs> yes. So though everything this satanic agent did against me was done at gunpoint, I I'm just so grateful that God did preserve my faith. And one one of the tortures that happened is uh, he chained me to a stool, and then with the warm blood of a freshly slaughtered goat, he. He poured this blood over my head in satanic blood baptism and married me to Satan. And right in the middle of all that, he designated these consequence split parts of me as Satan's forever sex slaves. So there was blood rituals and seance ceremonies, satanic curses and specific brainwashing into indoctrination of Satanism. It was all ingrained at gunpoint and death threats. Petra, I, I have a question. Sure. So at this point was uh, this, um, you call him as a satanic agent, which is very description. Um, this man, was he aware of your um, DID? And because you mentioned that he, like he did these satanic rituals, like uh, probably specifically for different personalities or so he was aware of it. I almost think like he never, I don't recall that I was, I, I was so shattered. I couldn't, I personally wasn't hardly ever there. It was all my splits that were there, but 
he had this degree in psychology and I, I, in counseling, this whole group of splits came up that they called themselves the death gang and they were specifically indoctrinated to make sure I committed suicide by this man. And I, it almost sounded by what input they, they put into counsel to the counselor that this man had actually knew what he was doing in creating this death gang to ensure that I would kill myself so the authorities would never find out about him. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so I don't have your question, but he did have a degree in psychology and, and he also had about four splits that were bonded to him. So I think he did have some knowledge of what was going on. Okay, continue. I need to find where I was now. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. No, that's okay. That's okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, being forced through infant sacrifice amid firing bullets and gun whacking on my head to the point of going unconscious was the most devastating trauma I encountered. And when he was doing this, he did this deadly countdown from 10 to zero. And he said that when he got to zero, I'd be killed. He was going to fire this bullet through my head if I didn't comply. And I was supposed to basically kill this baby. So when I got down to five, he, he saw I wasn't going to do what he said. And so he started firing bullets around my head. And, um, yeah, in the end, he whacked me on the head so hard and I went unconscious. But somewhere in there, this baby was slaughtered. So immediately following this satanic sacrifice of horror and being after he brought me back to consciousness, he then forced me into a circle around the fire. And with his gun, he enforced participation in satanic communion, which was literal cannibalism. Altogether, that day, God allowed my mind to split in survival mode over 200 times as he alone kept me alive for his divine purposes. And it was during that scene where this Pastor Kervin actually, God used that split to carry my belief and faith in God. The death threats that hung over my life and future that day were accomplished as the two men physically held my body over the blazing fire with threats to throw me in if I ever told a living soul about the infant sacrifice, death, and burial that day. And I only mention these things because I, I don't want us to focus on the devil's destruction, but rather on the power and love of Jesus to rescue, ransom, and restore all who come to him from the very death grip and the shatters of any and all abuses including SRA. So actually, if you don't mind, I'd like to say a little prayer right now, because I know this is heavy stuff for some people. Please. Yes. Please. So I'd, is that okay? Yes. Okay. Yes. Lord Jesus, we acknowledge that hearing these SRA things may be hard for some people. So right now, Lord, we just specifically bring every listener to your presence and ask you to touch each one with your love, help, and healing. By the power of your blood, Jesus, bind every tempt of the enemy to hide truth or bring despair. And Lord, shower each one listening with abundant hope. We claim your resurrection power in each life. Do you manifest your power and stretched out arm in each one. As we acknowledge, Lord, that there's nothing too hard for you to redeem and restore. Thank you, Jesus. So when this uh, abusing Thank pastor you. found out about Yes, you're welcome. I just felt God wanted me to intercede on behalf of listeners. 
That's good. Thank you. When that you're welcome. When that Mennonite pastor found out that this community man had got his hands on me, even though nobody knew what he was doing, he helped my parents get me evacuated from British Columbia to Saskatchewan. And I lived with a family there for a few months. I was totally broken and dissociated. I had a time loss of like a couple of years after that, all those abuses. However, when the when this abuser found out I was gone, he wrote my parents a, a really nasty letter. And he said that they had negated all rights to me as a daughter for taking me away from him and his therapy, so-called therapy. So he made plans unknown to me to abduct and retrieve me to BC. And the man of the house where I was living in Saskatchewan, his girls came and said this guy was on the phone and he he listened on an extension and found out his plans. So he, he told mom and dad and they, they were out there the next morning and they evacuated me from Canada and took me to Pennsylvania for six weeks. And those six weeks were as dark and unknown to me. Like it was just a black hole due to the trauma and PTSD and dissociation. I had split more than 500 times under that abuser's hand in a three months time span. So yeah, in 1986, I was sent to Vancouver to the top neurologist in the world for epilepsy. <clears throat> After doing extensive testing, he discovered that the reason there was massive depression associated with every seizure was because of scar tissue on my mood center, which caused the seizures that in turn created major suicidal depression. When this doctor found out that I was terrified to go home, he interviewed me and discovered the abuses of the church and all the spiritual abuse against me due to the seizures and depression. And at that point, he specifically told dad and mom that he would not discharge me from the hospital till they committed to moving me out of that community away from that church. Oh, so they did. And three, yeah, exactly. Three months later, we moved to Alberta and my oldest brother took over running the dairy farm. On August 4th, 1988, um, after extensive medical testing by this neurologist, God really blessed me when I went through a 12 and a half hour brain surgery in Vancouver. Now, this next part is very precious to me. It was during the surgery, God did a miracle for me, manifesting his unlimited power, protection, and love. So while my head was lying in pieces, like on the operating table, the Lord in one foot size golden letters wrote the Bible verse, Joshua 1, 9, on the wall, on the operating wall. It says, be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, neither be dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. And that is just a huge miracle that when they had my head all laying in pieces, that God literally put that verse up like that. And the previous night, I, these three doctors had come in to tell me about the upcoming surgery in the morning. And when they left, I asked God for a promise and that was the promise he gave me. So he just followed up by putting it writing on the wall when my head was all in pieces. 
So this surgery fixed both the seizures and the depression 100% overnight. Praise to God. I just, I felt like a bird out of prison physically and emotionally. Despite losing all my hair and the extreme pain from a nine-inch incision, I just felt so free and happy because that depression was all gone, that, that horrible stuff that I'd been persecuted about for years. Then in 1990, while I, I was in Vancouver for medical checkups, I, I met the man at church who later forced me to marry him, despite my pleadings, tears, and terror. The unnameable fear of saying no was so extreme that I had no way of getting him out of my life between meeting and marriage, despite rape and abuse. The night before the scheduled marriage, I begged him to cancel it and let me go, but he adamantly refused while threatening me of what would happen if I did. Walking down the aisle to the marriage altar in 1992 was literally like walking to the chopping block to execution. Katura, well, was this... I mean, what? Go ahead. Keep going. Yeah? Keep going. That's okay. Walking down the aisle to the marriage altar was like walking to the execution block while longing that someone would stand up and oppose the marriage. He let me know that night on the streets of downtown Vancouver in front of the hotel he rented that the only reason he married me was to ensure he would always have his own sex slave without paying $100 a crack or more, bragging that now I, I've got it made. Is this the same this perverse as before? Or is this someone Which different? One? No. This is someone different. Okay. Not, not, he's, not, he's not the SRA guy. Okay. All right. This is just someone at, at a church in Vancouver. Totally unrelated. Except for the enemy working through both of them, right? Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. Were, were your parents around during this time? Well, they were in central BC and I was in Vancouver. Okay. Okay. And the relationship wasn't that great because nobody understood that nobody understood that I had DID. And on top of that, the seizures and depression of all those years, just it had ruined everything because nobody understood what was going on. I had nobody, I, I couldn't talk to anyone because no one understood. So they didn't really understand what was going on. Yeah. So his perverse statement about marrying me to have a sex slave laid the groundwork for the looming so-called honeymoon, which consisted of a full-fledged inauguration into sex slavery and hourly violent rape for 10 days straight. Oh, After wow. my first baby was, yeah, it was very filthy and terrifying. After my first baby was born, the jealousy and abuse of the husband magnified, and I was literally restrained from caring for my baby as he repeatedly enforced a fulfillment of satisfying his lust at the baby's expense. Years later, when working through the pain of domestic violence, I asked Jesus where he was when I was restricted from going to my baby. He said that he was in the same room with the baby and caring for him in my enforced absence. <clears throat> I 
the domestic violence intensified with every year, day, and baby. And as the children grew, they became the target of beatings and abuse to destroy me. In 1993, my brother died of brain cancer. And 14 months later, my dad also died of kidney and lung cancer. I was told by my husband I could not go to them until they were dead. Thankfully, my family flew me to Northern Alberta to see dad and God enabled me to get there three hours before he died. However, my husband blamed me ever since for ruining him financially due to the deaths. And in his rage, one or more of us faced critical abuse. During all the years of living under the same roof as this man, I was deprived of all money, personal identification, and restricted from using hydro, food, and transportation. I never asked for food or clothes for myself, but I would ask for the children if I would dare to risk asking for anyone. For example, before he went to work in the morning, he would take the hot water fuse out, so we had to live without hot water while he was not there to monitor its use. We were deliberately isolated in large cities away from friends and family with absolutely not a dime to my name. Um, as far as um, not having money, um, I wore, I had clothes that I wore for 14 years just due to the restriction from money and ability to buy anything. In December of 1995, we were living in Vanderhoof, BC, which is 14 hours north of Vancouver. Uh, we had moved there in uh, 94. But in December of 95, the police came in and rescued the children and I when I was forced to leave the house in minus 45 degree weather without coat or shoes while my boys were locked up screaming for mom to come. It was so cold that night that nobody except the police could start their cars. I, I called the church and they, um, nobody could start their vehicle. And the police had theirs plugged in, so they came and, and took us to a safe house. In the spring of 96, the SRA memories came to life in all their horror and terror, and the death threats were just totally revived. I was sent to Vancouver to a trauma specialist, and he diagnosed me with DID and complex post-traumatic stress disorder. And this is the first time in my entire life that I received a ray of hope in a lifetime of abuse and survival. And the unspeakable agony was fully validated. He was the first person that ever validated my anguish. The psychiatrist told me that I was the most damaged individual he had ever come across. And he had been dealing with damaged, traumatized people for over 30 years. He also made it clear that the only hope I had for healing of this level of DID, abuse and destruction would be through Jesus alone, urging me to find someone to help me work through the trauma with Jesus. Um, and one of the first things he did when, when he took me on is he took me off of all medicines. The previous doctors had uh, 
put me on all kinds of medicine, trying to drug me out and fix it that way. And it was, he realized that there was absolutely no hope or help in medicines. He worked with me for two and a half years. So I was a single mom for three years, after which I and my children were reunited with my husband when I had to flee Vancouver because the government threatened to take my children away if I didn't put them in a daycare. And the daycares were destroying. My oldest boy just was totally destroyed at a daycare. So this reuniting resulted in two more children and unfathomed increase of domestic violence, thousands of rapes, child abuse of every nature, unspeakable agony and major dissociation in survival mode. Out of a total of seven conceptions, only two were not done in violent rape and three resulted in miscarriages. With the first miscarriage, I nearly bled to death because my husband wouldn't allow me to go to the doctor and I had major blood loss. By the time I couldn't sit up without fainting, he finally called a neighbor to take me to the hospital in Winkler, Manitoba. Incidentally, I had to literally crawl through the car to avoid fainting again. To condense the last six years of being with my husband, we were sent by the church to a residential counseling center in Ontario in 2002, where I shortly thereafter discovered I was pregnant. And when I was five months pregnant, my husband attempted to murder my unborn baby via sexual and physical violence in the darkness of night at this center. So they separated us to ensure that my baby and I wouldn't be killed. And then he ran away back to Manitoba. So, But after the baby was born and he had come back out, they then sent us to Manitoba and, and the abuse was worse than ever. In January of 2004, we moved to Ontario, and it was through a series of miracles that it just seemed like God was moving to uh, get us out here. I, I'm pretty sure he knew that he had people out here that could help me. Um, in March of 2004, um, I noticed that husband's abuse cycle climaxed in a life and death peak every uh, four weeks. And, you know, there's abusers have this abuse cycle and, and at a certain point, it's the very worst. And his, this, I noticed then that it was every four weeks. It made a complete cycle. Mm. His sex abuse and violence and perversion was so strong I would literally see um, his demons flitting about in the bedroom. And when I went to bed at night, I had no assurance I would survive the night due to the extreme violence. And it, it became quite a pattern that if his lust and violence wasn't pacified in me, he'd go upstairs at 1 a.m. and beat his boys ruthlessly. <sighs> They would just be a little heap of humanity when he was done. If I went up and tried to save them, he would just unleash it even worse, and I was afraid he'd be dead. So I couldn't even go up to try to save him. 
But I think by then he realized that the more he tortured the children, the more he'd get to me without touching me. And he was smart enough to know that if he murdered me, that he'd be in trouble. But that's what he really felt like doing. Every night I literally laid down my life in hopes of sparing my children from death. And repeatedly, he would force me to try to, he tried to force me to kill myself or him. He would force knives into my hand right in front of the children, urging me to stab him or myself. So he obviously wanted me dead without being charged with murder himself. When three pastors rescued us on September 11th, 2004, his abuse cycle made a complete rotation every five days. So in six months, it went from every four weeks to the complete cycle of doing every five days. By the time, by this time, I was so brainwashed and terrorized, I couldn't even think on my own without his permission. I wasn't allowed to use hydro or water without explicit permission and supervision. I also was not allowed to have a dime to my name. I had to sign over the child tax credit checks, and I never was able to go shopping. The local police told me later that they only know a tenth of 1% of what I suffered in domestic violence alone, but even that little they knew was worse than the worst cases they've seen in Waterloo Region. They also made it clear that if we had not been rescued when we were, that one or all of us would have been killed within the next two weeks. So this last part is, is more about what the power of God can do. I'm, I'm really sorry that there was so much bad stuff here. But Tara, I want to... I have a question. Really, I have hmm? a question. I have a question. Sure. Actually, a couple of people have asked this about, um, and about the other man too, the SRA, um, the satanic ritual abuse guy. And this one mm -hmm. about how, like, were, was that was there authorities step into this or were they caught or is there justice at any point with any of these or maybe you'll maybe you will address that in your testimony but i was Actually, I never did address it in there but i can answer it right now okay uh, when the memories came back in the spring of 96 for the sra i certain people encouraged me to tell the police about it in case this guy would re-victimize people. And he did victimize many people, I found out later. But I made a five-hour police report in Vanderhoof RCMP BC, and they passed it on to the other division an hour south of there where this man lived. And apparently they did go out and see him, but they were so scared of this guy that they never did nothing like and he just lied his way out of everything. Like SRA abusers often just blame the victim survivor that no, they're just nuts. They don't know what they're saying, and you know. So yeah. God is going to deal with him. In fact, he died in '07. He went screaming into his death, according to my sister-in-law, which is his daughter. And as far as my husband, um, 
When we moved to Elmira, where I'm at now 15 years ago, the Waterloo police were informed by the Ontario Provincial Police about my situation because they thought I needed protection from my husband. But when the Waterloo police found out about just the the tenth of one percent of what they said they knew, when they found even that much, they turned it over to Children's Aid, and Children's Aid said I had to get custody of my children, and they also said he couldn't have access to his children, so they didn't see their weren't allowed to see their dad till they were sixteen and could decide on their own. Okay. But as far as justice, um, this the Children's Aid turned it over to a detective, and she did all. She had so much crime on him and then the crown attorney threw it out because the children couldn't specify dates and times of abuse and of course they couldn't because it was a constant thing 24 7 day and night you know they couldn't give days and times it was always just a way of life they didn't know anything else yeah. so it was all thrown out and you know i place those men in the hands of god and he will do what he sees best <clears throat> as far as justice. But we yes. we did, over the time of the court deciding things about my husband, the police would come around every hour to make sure we were safe because they were concerned he would come and try to kill me. So I don't know if that answers any questions, but... Um, yeah, I think yeah. there was some concern that, um, you know, that the government being so the Canadian government being complicit in this and that there wasn't any, it sounded like you had to go through so many hoops to get some help. And um, thank God, you know, Jesus was there with you because well, I yeah, just can't yeah, even I imagine. I, I never put this in here, but um, I moved from Perth County, Ontario to Waterloo Region in 08. And um, in June of 08, the Perth County, the officer in charge of the whole county had heard about me and he asked me to come in and tell him his, tell him my story. He gave me his whole morning and served me tea and wanted to hear my story. It was really hard to condense it for three hours, but he told me that actually when I was done, he was crying <laughs> and he told me that he gives God all the credit that I survived. And he also told me a lot about how the police system works. And, and he just said that when he looks up my husband in the police system, his name is flagged throughout North America. Yeah. And like, it's really heavily flags. But I was just so happy that I I could share with him and he could give God the credit. That, that was amazing. <laughs> yes, it is. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. So in Ontario, God opened the doors for, and the hearts of, of five different counselors. Uh, most of them are pastors, not all of them, but three of them were. And he used them to counsel me. And collectively, they accessed every split personality individually. Like they would literally call them by name and, and these splits would tell their story and I wouldn't necessarily be aware of what they were even talking about because I was so dissociated. Um, the trauma specialist said my dissociation was at the deepest level possible. Like 
not only did my mind split, but the splits would split and those splits would split to six generations. It was so extremely traumatic that there'd be five, five tiers of splitting all in one scene because it was so extreme, the stuff to carry. So that really tells you what that you can't be too broken for God if, if he can access that kind of stuff. <laughs> So each split would tell their story and the pain, what they held for me and whatever captivity they were faced. Like everyone was so different. Is this but the 800? In the end, they were all. Is this the 800? Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. yeah. So they were all led to Jesus and they ranged from age infant to 36 years old. Almost every age in between. There's a few that weren't, but so. They were led to Jesus, and, and he just took their massive loads of filth and pain and bondage and completely restored them. And, you know, the right reason why Satan fought against my healing, especially the DID stuff, is because he wanted to use these split personalities to as a backdoor to get sneak in and defeat me so that I wouldn't uh, serve God and he would have me in his army or something. So I just praise God that he sent these individual counselors to actually understand and help. And many of these split parts of me would carry the indoctrinations of Satanism and the SRA experiences. And they were completely brainwashed against God, Christianity, truth and hope and all that stuff. And there were times for several years where before they got healing that I would be sitting in church. And the preaching for some of these, there was at least a handful of individuals where everything that was said was completely reversed into Satanism. It's like the demons were there just completely reversing it. It was so evil. And I, I didn't even like to be in church because someone would always come up and, and the stuff would get all switched around like that. It was, it was just beyond in, in description, I guess. Mm -hmm. But the more of these individuals that got help, the less my post-traumatic stress was evident. Because when I was with that trauma specialist, I would have a flashback, like a dog barking or the crack of thunder. Or, you know, every 10 minutes I would have a flashback and some of them would last 72 hours straight. And I would just feel the gun pounding on my head and stuff like that. Just, just hearing a baby cry or the crack of thunder sound like a gunshot i would experience this gun barrel ramming into my head for 72 hours mm -hmm. so it was amazing when they started getting help that these ptsd symptoms just kept getting less and less it was so wonderful yes. so the process the healing process to work through these 800 split parts of me took about 15 years but you know one day uh, I was back in 2012 or somewhere around there. I I just cried out to God about this DID because it's something I never wanted to be labeled with, and it was so difficult and anguishing. And I just prayed to God that He would please make sure that nobody, no split part of me, would be overlooked or not helped, but that everyone could find Jesus, so Satan couldn't get to me through anyone that was hidden. And he was so faithful in that he just kept bringing more and more out, just kind of like peeling an onion, just a little bit at a time. 
And at the end, I just had the complete assurance there was none left that were unhelped. And it was, he was so faithful in that. I just praise him. So, yeah, exactly. Even the most hardened that wanted nothing to do with God, they became great ambassadors for Christ. It's just amazing. So on January 9th of 2022, by this time I had like, we had all these lockdowns and the Mennonite church just swallowed the government stuff. And I just couldn't handle that. It was like, I don't know. It just reminded me a lot. Like the government tyranny reminded me a lot of some of my abusers. And I, I, and plus they wanted me, forced me to wear a mask at church and there's no way I could do that. I just felt like I was being gagged and all this abuse again from the SRA guy. So I stopped going to that church and, I went to this, it's called Trinity Bible Chapel. They got their church stolen by the government in the lockdowns and had police there and they've had over a million dollar fines and all kinds of stuff going on. But they had their doors open and I went there and that's on on January 9th of 2022. um, I got baptized there and all these, say 800 parts of me were baptized. And even though I had baptized before, I felt God wanted me to um, to be baptized again when all these split parts of me had found Jesus and to counter this satanic baptism of death and destruction because I didn't want that to be the last thing on my slate regarding baptism. So it was really amazing to just, like, I could literally feel all these 800 parts of me just leaping for joy. In fact, they sent me a, a video of the baptism and <laughs> and you could see I did a little jig in the in the water. It was <laughs> I was so excited and happy and and they were so happy to be baptized because they had wanted that but didn't figure it ever happened. That so would have despite been the 33 awesome to see that. <laughs> I could probably even send you that if you're interested. Oh, yeah. I totally am. (laughs) I'll see if I can. Yeah, I can see if I can find it. Um, Yeah, despite the 33 years of abuse and absolute destruction, it it became just 100% clear that there's nothing too hard for Jesus to heal, restore, and make something valuable out of the ashes of destruction. That's a big note I I wrote here on on my notes. God can reach anyone in huge letters. Exactly. Amen. That's right. <laughs> but I, I get really excited when I can share about the unlimited power of God amid suffering because there's just nothing that is too hard for him. And, you know, the chains of bondage and SRA were completely broken. And Jesus went, I don't know, if probably people don't even realize that what the corridors of hell are but i had split parts of me that were trapped in the corridors of hell and it's the most darkish dark evil black horrible place you can imagine and i had splits that would drop pictures of what what they saw and this one individual was trapped down there and he saw jesus coming it was and the demon of hell just fell back as Jesus walked those dark quarters and came to rescue. <laughs> and it's, it's, I have so many pictures of all these, what these splits have drawn of where they were and what Jesus did. And it's just a miracle. It just, 
you know, the love of God is so extreme and so massive and so unlimited that it doesn't matter how deep and dark and hellish and where you are, he will come and find you if he knows there's interest. It's just amazing. Yeah, so Jesus went to the corridors of hell to rescue many parts of me. And not only did the enemy unleash his powers against me and my healing, like right from day one, but God also sent his warning angels to fight the demons of hell. And, you know, he was gracious enough to allow me to see these angels as they fought off the enemy during counseling sessions. He... He, the work he did and the way he allowed like the split parts that were being worked with at that time, they would literally draw the picture. They saw these angels coming to fight the demons that were trying to stop the healing. So I have those pictures on the file and it's really amazing. I, I just praise God that his, nothing can stop him when he starts working. So I want to testify to everyone listening here that there's absolutely no life that is too trashed broken or destroyed for jesus to touch heal and restore Amen. when we bring jesus all the broken pieces and surrender our anguishing tatters to him he can truly bring beauty out of ashes and create divine transformation for his glory out of the suffering tatters if one survives suffering abuse trafficking and such things it's not the end of the road unless they refuse to let jesus be the center of their healing journey and i just want to really also make it clear that the secular world only offers band-aid solutions to these kind of wounds of the heart and soul no pharmaceuticals um are the answer and they only prolong the agony and i've experienced this firsthand it, it was just a nightmare the stuff they tried to force me on and jesus is the only one who can bring complete healing and freedom to everything and everyone with no limits to his power and restoration yes from the very ashes of hellish bondage destruction and chains of death there's nothing my god cannot do yes. and i also want to briefly touch on the need to always choose to forgive those who hurt and abuse us yeah. failure to do this is going to end up in our own defeat and destruction choose forgiveness brings freedom and healing beyond description and I didn't think I would ever be able to forgive, especially those two men. I've had 15 abusers altogether, but those two men were the worst. And my one counselor told me that God wouldn't force me to forgive them. But if I chose not to, I was choosing to be their slave. And that terrified me to be a slave to these men. And I just pled for God to give me the grace to choose to forgive. And one thing about forgiveness, you know, our flesh doesn't want to do that. It, it just wants to hang on to that bitterness and hatred or whatever's there. But when we make that first move to choose, we have to choose against our feelings, like just make a choice, regardless how we feel, to forgive. And as soon as we make that little choice, God reaches way down where we are and lifts us up to help us actually do the impossible it's only him that can help us to forgive so to uh, choose not to forgive is what 
I was just going to say that that is such a powerful statement. Like, yeah, there's so much in that right there is that we, we do have to choose against our feelings and exactly. Yeah. I've, I've often said if that, you know, that was the turning point for me in my life was the forgiveness. You know, after I was saved mm. and, 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 and my life changed, I mean, I, I really didn't make that complete change until I was able to forgive. And that is the hardest, that was the hardest thing for me. Um, exactly. And, and forgiving yourself as well. But also mm -hmm. yes, forgiving those that harmed you. It's very hard, but well, once you make that conscious choice against your feelings, yeah. I experienced hundreds of times, like every, every single split part of me went through this journey of forgiving and the freedom was so extreme that they, you know, we'd just be jumping up and down like crazy with the freedom was so great. I can't explain it, but yeah. <laughs> in the conference, these staff people would come out of this session and they would see us go flying through the room. We were so happy and free <laughs> and they knew something. God had done some great work because I couldn't keep my feet around. <laughs> That's awesome. But yeah, to choose not to forgive is shooting ourselves in the foot because that's the same as drinking poison and wishing someone else would die. Right. The amazing freedom that comes by choosing to forgive is just beyond description. And I, I have a little story here of something that literally happened to me about forgiving. I wanted to share. It's, it's amazing. It's a miracle. Yes, so on August yes, 23rd, <laughs> August 23rd of 2012 at 1223, uh, just after midnight, I was crying out in anguish and, and trying to choose to forgive a church leader who had condemned my survival. And then suddenly I just, I heard the sound of this male octet singing. It was the most beautiful singing I've ever heard. It was in the corner of my bedroom and there was no man in the house. So I knew it had to be God's angels. So they sang this song. I don't know if anybody here knows it, but it's called each step I take my savior goes before me. And with his loving hand, he leads the way that one. So they sang the entire first verse and chorus, and then it just gradually faded away. And, and that experience was just so meaningful. It was like God confirming that choosing to forgive is, is really blessed by him. That's amazing. Um, so I know it was, it was really amazing. I, I just praise God for some of those miraculous little things he did. I'm sure there's a lot of people listening that might feel hopeless and worthless and maybe completely destroyed. The ashes of abuse and rejection seem to maybe bury you. And I, I came across a poem I wrote that I, I really want to read, especially for anyone feeling like that. Um, and I just want to validate where you're at because I know how that is. So I want to read this one poem first it's called lord i ask why and i wrote this back in 2016 oh heavenly father can you hear my cry do you understand all my questions of why lord how can some good ever come from this loss why is there deep suffering encased in my cross 
How can I endure all the deep ragged pain that surges through heart depths with never a gain? When darkness surrounds amid, amid billows of grief, is there a morn coming? Will there be relief? I can't understand, Lord, this anguish untold. Rejection and heartache my heart cannot hold. Why would you allow all the pain and the tears? When I cry aloud, Lord, do you even hear? And the father answers, my child, come and rest in my arms of embrace, where I have abundance of comfort and grace. I hear your deep cries, and I too feel your pain. Your tears I have gathered and seek to bring gain. The deeper your anguish, the tears and the loss. So grace expands freely for your entire cross. In all your afflictions, I suffer with you as my angel presence still carries you through. I walk child before you to make darkness light and I hold your hands through the long lonely night. Each tear I transform into treasures untold and all of your pained heart I so tenderly hold. Pain and deep suffering are tools in my hand to chisel and shape you for all I have planned. As gold in the fire, is heated and tried so you child midst suffering shall be purified I long that your faith in my love grow more deep as I walk beside you to strengthen and keep the deepest of anguish that you are called through will serve as a launch pad for my call on you so yield to me child all your pain grief and loss and all the stark suffering you bear in your cross for when it's surrendered to my divine hand your pain is transformed, though you don't understand. Press on step by step as to my hand you cling, and rivers of grief will become songs to sing. My grace, strength, and presence each day surround you till heaven reveals all the whys you've come through. That is amazing. Um, I, I, I also you. had, yeah, I had this other poem you said you want me to read too. Um, yep, yep. Let me see here. Oh, yeah, I just wanted to encourage you all never to give up as long as there's life, there's hope. And remember that God loves you with an everlasting love. And you can say with me, we shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. And another thing is a verse, Jeremiah 32, 17, that has just really been encouraging in dark times. Ah, Lord God, behold, thou hast created the heavens and the earth by thy great power and stretched out arm, and there is nothing too hard for thee. Um, oh, and remember that no matter what happens to any one of you, only Jesus can turn a mess into a message. Only Jesus can turn a trial into a triumph. Only Jesus yes. can turn a test into a testimony and a victim into a victor. Yes. So I'll read this. <laughs> <up>. <laughs> It's amazing what he can do with those messes. <laughs> yes. Uh, I'll, read, I'll read this poem. Impossible is where I start. Speaking of God. My children come rest in my loving embrace as I show to you my divine love and grace. For I have redeemed thee and called you by name to save ruined lives is the reason I came. Though people and circumstance oft may appear, to be without hope, yet my children draw near. For I am your God, and I still specialize in things thought impossible, making a prize. 
Come give me the tatters you don't understand, the past, bruised and broken, yield all to my hand. The fears of the future and storms of the past will transform to joy when on me they are cast. From out of the ash heap come nuggets of gold, midst heart shreds of anguish, thy heart I now hold. The dark strands of grief and the gold do I weave, creating true beauty, but you must believe. The rivers of tears turn to wellsprings of life when I take the shatters of agony's strife. The lambs lost and broken, I seek out and find their pained or hard hearts with my healing I bind. Impossible happens to be where I start when I create diamonds on pained wounded hearts, for I will complete all the work I've begun in each of my daughters and all of my sons. Thank you so much for sharing that. Katura, yeah, please, you're welcome. Please email those to us, uh, Katura. We'd, we'd like to post those. The, the poems? Yes, please. Yeah, yeah, okay. If you're okay with us posting yeah, them, we would love to post them in our Telegram room. They're, they're as beautiful as they are powerful. Yeah, well, I've written like hundreds of poems, but so it's hard <laughs> to pick out some. <laughs> um, yeah. Those two yeah, would be okay. great. and. I also wanted to ask you about, um, you mentioned the drawings a couple of oh, times. Is that something yeah. that you'd be willing to share as well um, this weekend on our telegram room? Or, um, you know, if you wanted to, to go how out do the- I, How do I well, send them? Well, we can, we'll work it out. We'll try to figure out some way to do that. Okay. And if you're, if you're open to that, I would love to be able to share that with people. And I have a set. Of, I have a set of four that kind of go together, and it's about DID. So okay. it, it it's about the ash heap of where I started on journey with DID. It's just a big heap of ashes and garbage. And <clears throat> then the next one is all these little pieces of rope are coming up, and and starting to join together as as they access in. Um, anyhow, in the end, it's this big, strong rope that where all the different parts of me were all united in Christ. And now they can be used by God for his glory. And it's, yeah, I don't know if it makes sense, but that's kind of what they all go together about DID. Yeah. You also mentioned but, um, and you're, I, you're open to having people uh, reach out to you if they wanted to um, discuss anything more, if we wanted to talk about you know, what you spoke on tonight. And yeah. uh, we could, uh, if anybody would like to do that, they can um, they can reach out to Katura through us, through the, um, this is an official Godcast at gmail.com. And we'll make sure she gets that message and then we'll connect you that way. Yeah. And <sighs> yeah, you can, you have my email too, so. Yep, yep. Oh, wow. I wrote so many notes, Katura, when you were talking. And like I said, that big one was God can reach anyone. That For me, that was the biggest takeaway. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Me too, 100%. Did you have anything else to share um, before we kind of talked a little bit more about what you did share? No, not not unless I I don't know if I should sing a solo, so we don't need to go there. 
Oh, well, I was kind of hoping you would, but I, I, I have a question though, too, because you, um, before we, we get to that, that you had told me, um, we had talked, you know, before the show and you said it was okay to talk about this. So I, I, I think it would be pretty awesome if, if you wanted to talk just a little bit about what you're doing now and, oh, yeah. um, uh, where you're, where God has your, your mission right now. It's pretty awesome. I think everybody here would be very interested to know. Yeah, well, let me see. It was right in our January of 2020. Um, this, it's a brand, it like it started in 2020 of January. So I've been there since they opened, but I work for a, a safe house where we take in survivors of human trafficking and they, Nobody wanted to work night shifts, so they asked me if, if they could hire me to do full-time night shift. And that's what I've been doing ever since, and it's amazing to be involved with that because I used to work at a apple chip factory uh, working with apples, and I would so much rather be working with broken people than rotten apples. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, especially this time of the year, the apples are almost 95% all rotten, so... <laughs> But yeah, I, I've met them. In fact, I think there's might even be at least one girl listening that used to be at our in our safe house. And I, I if she's there, I, I just say hi to you. I'm so glad you're here. <laughs> Welcome. Yes. Welcome. That to me is um, the other takeaway, and that God has used so much of what you've gone through and what he's done in your life. We'll, we'll focus on that more than anything, but he's, he's using that in a way that um, you may never even know how that's affected, you know, the people that you're helping now, just even in that, you know, safe house, but here tonight too, sharing the story, but um it's just amazing and thank you for I, sharing yeah you're welcome and you know i've really cried out to god and asked him to please not waste the pain i've been through but to somehow be able to use it to point others to his love and what he can do with a shattered life so i, oh, yeah, I really hope sure. that he can not yeah yeah <sighs> Thank you. And if you ever, if if you ever have people wanting to hear more about DID that you want to um, look into that more, I'm open to that. It's totally up to you. Oh yeah. Or trafficking or whatever. <laughs> yeah, we have a um, a lot of people in this community. Um, we a lot of us met through Bards FM, mm. which is another podcast. And right now, there's a a project going on right now called uh, the vineyard operation vineyard i think it's what it's called it's just in development and it's um rescue restore and i forget what the other one was rescue restore and heal rescue heal and restore and so i think it was interesting it. You, yeah it's interesting you mentioned the, those three um concepts in your story tonight too so um, just right along with uh, a lot of things that p 
people are in this community that are listening right now, even just online, but right now and are just, it's just amazing that God's using you in such a remarkable way. And the other thing that really got to me too was at every turn you recognized Jesus. I mean, yeah. every, 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 every turn you recognize God was there and, and you're, and you, you're giving the glory all to him. I mean, that's, that's pretty awesome. Well, when you have policemen and doctors and all these professionals coming to you to give God the glory, it just confirms that that's what carried me through because, you know, sometimes I couldn't even see God. It was so black. And I, I couldn't even proceed or do anything. All I could do is say Jesus because the anguish inside and outside and the attack of the enemy was so extreme. All I could say is Jesus. And it was, you know, he carried, those are the times where he was carrying me and I didn't even realize it. But in my heart of hearts, I always wanted to serve him as just when you're broken into 800 pieces and the demons of hell have are holding parts of you captive. It's just a nightmare beyond description. Yeah. I just praise God that he honored his promise and, and brought every one of them to himself. It's just amazing. <laughs> and you think about, um, you know, I just had one time, you know, accepting Christ and surrendering and how awesome that was. And then to think how you really we're blessed to experience that hundreds of times. And um, I guess I never really looked at that. I knew a little bit about the DID. I have a friend who, um, who has that and, but I, I never really looked at it the way that you've described it about it being, I mean, I know, I know it's a coping mechanism, but looking at it as, oh, you've given God the glory in that. You know, like he was there protecting you through that, you know, and yeah. And that trauma specialist told me that if God had allowed my mind to shatter in that way, that I would have been a vegetable or else had died because it was just way more than a singleton person could have handled. For sure. So even, he, even he gave God the credit. Yeah. Thank you. Just a couple comments from our listeners in the live chat. DJ Shaw says, what a testimony of faith through such trauma and absolutely in awe of your strength. Matt and have commented, she's one of the strongest people I've ever heard of. Uh, another, comment, Only because... <laughs> another comment, if you have the strength to write a book, what a testimony it would be. Your story is a true testimony, the power of God and a beautiful way to bring glory to our beautiful Savior. Another comment, I'm listening at work and have been in tears multiple times. Katura, you are truly a remarkable and beautiful human being. God bless you. And Jab says, what an amazing, strong woman. Truly unbelievable what you've been through. My heart is heavy, but grateful for this testimony. You are amazing. And I have a Thank question. Um, how are the children now, Katura? How are they doing now? How are they? Yes. Well, that is a really sad story. 
my baby is 20 and my oldest is 30. And they all made commitments to God. And um, yeah, the oldest one, he disowned me for about three months because I refused to help him kill God. And it, yeah, I don't know. My heart is shattered for my children. But you know, the night we were rescued by those three pastors, God gave me this verse in Isaiah 54, 13. It says, all thy children shall be taught of the Lord and great shall be the peace of thy children. And I keep bringing this verse back to God and I know he's going to restore the years that the locusts have eaten. Yes. And my third son is currently in Dawson City, Yukon, mining gold. He just went up there on a whim and 36 hours he was gone and he might be back in a couple a month or so. But he sent me a message a couple nights ago that he believes in God 100% now. And I was overjoyed. But then within 24 hours, he was telling me, like, he's all wrapped up in this false doctrine. And it, it's just not in line with the word of God. And it, it breaks my heart because here I thought he had actually found God. And he's it's it's some other God or some some version that doesn't line up with the bible and it's very sad okay well mary's going to pray for them tonight when we pray out yeah i i was i wanted to share a verse with you too katura and it came to mind a couple times when you were talking and you referenced jeremiah 32 17 which made mm -hmm. me think of jeremiah 31 16 and 17 and i have that pinned up at my job and this is a verse that's or two two verses of scripture that's very close to my heart for the same same reasons yeah. um similar reasons that uh my my kids are running from god right now and um but this this i want to share this with you because i feel like there's a word for you in this too so if i can get through it <laughs> thus says the lord this is jeremiah 31 16 to 17 Thus says the Lord, keep your voice from weeping and your eyes from tears, for there is reward for your work, declares the Lord. And they shall come back from the land of the enemy. There is hope for your future, declares the Lord, and your children mm -hmm. shall come back to their own country. Oh, well, praise God. Yes. <clears throat> so I think that's a word for you too tonight. That's amazing. Thank you. Yeah, I think so uh, the biggest takeaway is that, uh, just like you said, Katura, you, you can't be too broken for God. Amen. Um, that just resonates. Mm -hmm. And as long as you have breath, it is not too late for salvation. And it doesn't exactly. matter. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what's been done to you, what you've experienced. God is there and he's waiting for you. All that he's waiting for is that is for you to show that need. Mm -hmm. And that's all it takes. He'll uh, span the gap once that, once that first move is made. <laughs> the call-in is open. If there's anyone here in live chat that has not but wishes to receive Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior, please call in. Mary. Myself, Katura, will pray for you right now. 
If I can, I want to read Romans 10, 9 through 10. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. Don't wait another day. This is you. Please get a hold of us. You can reach us after the show at this is an official godcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Telegram at this is an official godcast. And Mary's been doing greater things over on Facebook, so you can also now find us on Facebook. Yes. And X, this is an official godcast. Yeah. Ron's handling the X Twitter, and I'm handling the Facebook. We got to get on some more plat- uh, platforms, and, and we will. We're just slow at that kind of stuff. We know God's doing the work. Yeah. And uh, it's his timing. That's right. We have a prayer request from Ellen. So I did see that, Ellen. And I'll pray for that tonight. Okay, Mary, do you want to close us out? Yes. Oh, Lord. Really was a heavy night tonight, Lord. And but at the same time, Lord, all the glory was just put on you tonight. And I'm so thankful for that. I'm so thankful, Holy Spirit, that you just you worked through Kastura's story tonight, that you were there right right with her the whole time, just lifting her up and just giving her the strength to to tell this heavy story and yet at every turn lord you were right there and i don't know why i'm even amazed because this is something that is so known of you lord that you are so faithful in this but i just i love hearing about it and and so thank you very much for that tonight lord that you gave this opportunity for this story to be heard and that we know that it's going to go out to someone who's already been prepared to hear it the soil of the heart i think we heard that from someone else a few weeks ago about the soil of the heart being prepared so we pray for that soil right now that'll be tilled up and that'll be able to hear. They'll have ears to hear and eyes to see the truth through what Katura shared tonight. And I also want to just pray a blessing over her and her family and just the work that she's doing, Lord. Amazing. So we just pray for more opportunity for her to um, share this testimony of you in other places. And um, thank you for giving her just this opportunity to be a light in that place, in that safe house. And that she's someone who knows a lot of what these people are going through. 
So I just pray for the words to come to her in conversations that might happen in the middle of the night. And uh, I also pray for just a blessing of of dreams and visions for Keturah and that your love would just be shown to her. Even, you know, you're showing her your love all the time and she sees it all the time, Lord. I just, I pray for a surprising moment of that for her. Thank you. Thank you for Keturah. I pray for her kids. I pray that her children will come back to you, Lord. For you have said, if you train them up in the way, they'll come back. So we're going to stand on that right now. Hmm. In confirmation, we're standing right on that. In the name of Jesus, we claim that. We claim that for her children right now. In Jesus' name. Lord, I also want to pray for Ellen and her sister, Jennifer. And um, she's a victim of abuse, and she won't leave it. And so they're starting to see some effects about that, Lord. And so I just, I pray for open eyes for Jennifer. I pray for courage over her. I pray for her relationship with the Lord, with you, Lord, that would just be strengthened. And it sounds like she was raised in the church, but she maybe isn't seeing you right now. So, Lord, we just pray that she'll be prompted and moved, maybe even by the story tonight, but that, you know, Holy Spirit, you know, you know, Jennifer, you know exactly what it is that will draw her to you and so lord we just pray that in agreement right now in the name of jesus that his holy blood will just be poured over her and from head to toe and that she will just receive the love of christ and that she will be guided into all truth and that she will be brought to a blessed and safe place and that she'll have courage in that and lord i i pray for ellen that she will be able to um, give the words when they're needed and the, and when they're not, Lord. That she'll be, she'll have all eyes on you, Lord, in every conversation she has with Jennifer. And that if there's an open door, Lord, make that very plain and very clear to both of them that they can step through that. So we also pray for her husband as well. And in the abusive situation that she's in, we pray for his soul, Lord. We pray the blood of Jesus over him. We pray that he will come to the light and he will come to the truth as well. And their kids, we pray for their kids as well. We ask you, Lord, that you piece together this, this broken home as only you can. And as you've even shown tonight, just through Katura's story of, of you and how you have pieced her together. And I just, Lord, thank you. And we also want to lift up anybody. We also want to lift up anyone else who's, who might be listening tonight and who um, needs to hear this. 
It's not too late. Jesus is right there. So Holy Spirit, we we know that you're going to do the work in this. Thank you for the opportunity that we get to see it. We lift all of this up. Oh, I also want to pray for Jeff really quick. Lord, continue to, to work in him a healing from his head to his toes. And for his wife and their whole family, and we sure miss him. And we were so glad to see him the other night. So thank you for that, Lord. And just continue to do the work you're doing in him. And all these things we lift up in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Katura, thank you so much for blessing us tonight. Yeah, you're welcome. <clears throat> oh, How regarding you... a you you mentioned something about a book earlier. Yes. Yeah. I did write a book, but I need to get it republished. It's called Jesus Never Waste Pain. And it's a devotional for abuse survivors and anybody that wants to understand them and walk with them and and just get enriched with what the power of God can do. <laughs> That's awesome. Amen. Um, I suppose you. I'm not happy with my publisher, but if someone really wants it, I suppose they could search for it on Amazon or something. And they print it on demand. It's kind of a weird setup, but I, I need to find a new publisher. And so, yeah, I have a couple books here at home, but otherwise there, I don't have any. I could maybe send you one, though, if you're interested. Yes. If, if yes. you want to send me an address, and stuff, I could okay. probably send you one. Okay. We'll get, uh, I would for sure like one, but we can get you in touch with um, anybody who would actually like to reach out for Couture for any reason. You can do that through the, this is an official Godcast at gmail.com. And then we'll get you connected um, either with that book or, you know, just willing to talk to her about it. So how do you feel about the song singing? <laughs> oh, I thought you forgot about that. <laughs> I don't know. I don't ever forget about nothing. <laughs> oh, okay. I guess you're maybe younger than me. <laughs> well, I can try it. Uh, I, I, I don't have a beautiful voice or anything, but um, I'll sing. Um, I thought I could sing the chorus after the last after the last stanza, if that's okay. Yeah, that's good. Instead of singing it four times, but yeah, yeah. The man who wrote the music to this song um, used to be my deacon in the Mennonite church, and it's because of him that, like, the church didn't want me to be a member because I was too abused, and it's because of him that they finally let me become a member there years ago in 2017, and he also brought the a police officer in there that was in, involved with our protection and got him to share what was really going on. It was just a domestic dispute. It was life and death that we were facing. So he's the one that wrote the music to this song. Thank you. You ready? Brace yourself. Oh, I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> Called the Weaver's Design. <clears throat> Your life is a picture which, if I may weave, will shine in Christ's beauty.
duty, but you must believe the rags of affliction now garbing your soul. Come cast them on me, child, let me take control. The bruised, wounded heart that's all mangled and torn can still be restored and with Jesus adorned. For out of the ashes and rends of deep pain, thy Lord creates beauty with infinite gain. The strands of dark sorrow when given to me shine forth as pure gold in your life tapestry. The suffering tatters in luster will shine when used in the weaving of my hand divine. I see your life picture before it's begun. It's beauty eternal, I know ere it's done. Through Jesus' pain's damage is fully erased. Each piece, scrap, and fragment is touched by my grace. My child, I delight to make known within thee my power and glory that others may see. A picture that's woven in love's grace divine, which patterns her souls to the weaver's design thank you thank you Katura. that was thank beautiful you. that was beautiful and don't let anyone tell you or don't you ever tell yourself that you don't have a beautiful voice because you do yes. that is beautiful thank you so much oh, I, did, I, never, <laughs> I didn't realize i did uh, yes i mean i don't Every, claim to be a well, I can everyone here is saying, "Tell it. her, tell her she did great." Everyone was saying, "I've never seen solo before." So <laughs> that's awesome. Well, Thank for, you for everybody that's listening. If if you didn't catch the beginning of this, go back and listen to the replay. This was just an incredible testimony. And for uh, and for anyone listening, please share this. Uh, this is one that must get out. Uh, share this everywhere you have uh, social media and anywhere and everywhere. Please, let's get this one out. This is one that needs to be heard. For sure yeah Thank yeah you. just just to extol what the power of jesus can do like nobody's too trash for him to touch amen to that yeah i think there's a lot of us who needed to hear that tonight and for oh, everything for everything katura that you've gone through it is just amazing the way that you've you you word and you speak everything with such love and such a loving manner and way even after everything that you've gone through and it's it's evident i mean you can only do that through christ <laughs> uh, yeah i was gonna say it's it's only because of him it's yeah, yeah. 
because the policeman and doctors told, especially the policeman said that you should be out on the streets doing drugs or be dead. There's no way that without God that you could even be alive. I'll tell you the first two minutes, the first, oh, well, not two minutes, but the first, I'm exaggerating, the first 10 minutes of your testimony, you're just talking about your childhood. It, it's, it's amazing that you even made it to your teenage years. Everything that you went through is just amazing that you survived and lived to be it's a like teenager, you know, things that you went through as a child, as a baby, is just incredible. Yeah. Uh, so glad that you're here. You know, you made it through all that to, to, uh, to do what you're doing now. To be a blessing to others. Yeah. Praise yes. God. <laughs> yes. Yes. Thank you. All right, listeners. We're going to see you again next week, 7 p.m. Eastern time, right here on Podbean. And we have next week, Truth Patriot. Oh, my goodness. Do not miss next week. <laughs> Truth Patriot, one of our faithful. Love yeah, them. and it's a good one. We got to pre-hear it. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good. They're all good. And then you know what? Everybody's testimony is great because God is, it's God's, God's story. That's right. <laughs> you know, I mean, it doesn't even matter if it's, if it's not dramatic or, you know, whatever God has designed whoever needs to hear that story. Yeah. And so don't keep your light under a bushel. That's right. My dearest <laughs> friends, let us not forget we're here for one reason, one reason only that is to spread the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So find that person that does not know him that you love and tell them your testimony. Do it today. Thanks, guys. Love you. Stick around, Katura. We'll talk a little bit after oh, the, sure. the show yeah, sure. ends. Yeah. Jesus said that if I thirst, I should come to him. No one else can satisfy, I should come to him. Jesus said if I am weak, I should come to him. No one else can be my strength, I should come to him. For the Lord is good and faithful, he will keep us day and night. We can always run to Jesus, Jesus strong and kind. Jesus said that if I fear, I should come to him. No one else can be my shield, I should come to him. For the Lord is good and faithful, he will keep us day and night. We can always run to Jesus, Jesus strong.
Um, Ellen says that she found your book on Amazon. So she's going to send that link to Mary. Mary's going to get that up on the Godcast page on Telegram. This is an official Godcast on Telegram. So you can find a link to her book there on Amazon for uh, Katura Martin. Thank you so much, Ellen. We appreciate that. Thank you. All right, guys. We'll see you next week, 7 p.m. Eastern time, right here on Podbean. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining us. We love you, and we'll see you then. Good night. Yeah, you got two minutes before Conley. It's over. <laughs> Thank God he plays a replay too. <laughs>